Thank you for tuning in. This is for Pete's sake, and I am Pete Solari. You can hit me up on Twitter at for Pete's sake NY. That is the number four P E T E S A K E N Y. Also on the web at for Pete's sake dot net. For Pete's sake, spelled the same way dot net. For Pete's sake dot net. And don't forget to check out my work at the Monday Morning Quarterback, where I am editor in chief. So for all your sports news and commentary from yours truly, among others, check out the Monday Morning Quarterback at mondaymorningqb.info and on Twitter and Facebook at the Monday AMQB and hashtag TMMQB. All right, so Pete Solari here back with you. This is episode 22 coming at you on a Saturday this week, the 2nd of December 2017. And man, what a crazy week it has been in New York here, really all across the sports world. The big story, of course, Eli Manning, Giants quarterback since 2004, sent to the bench after 210 consecutive starts. And man, there's just there's a lot to uncover here, and I'm going to try to do that all for you today in the limited time we have together. But uh, it's a few, you know, got a few parts to, to dissect here, but I'm going to kind of start from the beginning. Um, and, and we'll just, we'll just take it from there. And I'm going to tell you right now, I know you probably hear this a lot this week. Um, you know, people coming out of the woodwork, everyone's an Eli Manning fan all of a sudden, everyone's sympathizing with Eli Manning all of a sudden. And I don't know if you've been paying attention in in New York, at least for the last, uh, you know, 13, 14 years or so, you know, Eli Manning has come under a lot of heat at a lot of time at a lot of times, excuse me. And, um, I'm just here. I just want to just start today's show by telling you that, uh, Honestly, you don't have to believe me, but I'm actually one of those people who has defended Eli Manning from the beginning. I was very happy when the Giants drafted Eli Manning. I think, you know, growing up a Giants fan, we never had a quarterback like Eli Manning. Not in my time, at least. I mean, you know, Phil Simms kind of got elevated to, to, to this great status among Giants quarterbacks just, just because, we, you know, we never really had anything so much better but in all honesty I never thought Phil Simms was a great quarterback when when Kerry Collins came along I thought you know I thought Kerry Collins was a better quarterback than Phil Simms was overall to be honest with you and that's not to take anything away from Phil Simms obviously uh you know what he did in that Super Bowl 21 and uh you you know great game overall for a career though you know not never been the biggest Phil Simms fan so I mean yeah I was really excited when they drafted Eli Manning and actually I remember at the time, my uncle, who's also a Giants fan and a big sports fan, 
was not on board with that with the with the move to to bring Eli Manning in back in 2004. I remember, I remember talking to him about it. I remember talking to him about it over a couple of years, you know, after after they actually drafted Eli. And he was against the move because, um, you know, they traded they traded for him. It was San Diego who picked him. The Chargers picked him number one overall. And the Giants picked Phillip Rivers overall and traded Rivers for Manning. And the Giants sent over a couple of draft picks as well. And in the end, uh, you know, the, the Chargers walked out of that draft. They they got Philip Rivers. They got Sean Merriman, the linebacker, and they got the kick kicker Nate Kading, if you remember him. And so my uncle's argument was kind of that look, you know, look look at everything the, uh, you know, the Chargers got out of that deal, and then look what the what the Giants got, Eli Manning. And at the time, Eli Manning, you know, what wasn't you know the Eli Manning that he went on to be. You know, now he's a hero in New York. Everyone loves him. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, obviously. But, you know, at the time, you know, he was under a lot of heat, a lot of pressure, because, you know, it, he wasn't that great. You know, he was learning. He was growing, growing pains. You know, those things happen. But, you know, people were questioning it. You know, is this guy for real? And so at the time, it, you know, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that, you know, the, the Giants had gotten the better of that, of that deal, that Phillip Rivers trade. I think you fast forward now to 2017, though, and you you know you see. I think the Giants definitely got the best of that of that deal. They've gotten two Super Bowls out of Eli Manning. I don't think Philip Rivers has even sniffed that kind of success. No no offense to Philip Rivers, a good quarterback. You know, I think he would have been a good Giants quarterback too. But you know, he ha- he has not accomplished what Eli Manning has accomplished. Sean Merriman, Nate Cading, where are these guys now? God only knows. Okay, you know, out of the league. So yeah, I think now you look at it and you think, yeah, the Giants definitely got the best of that deal. And so, you know, I guess this past week, a lot of people coming out of the woodwork and say, you know, defending Eli Manning, which I agree with. Uh, you know, I think Eli Manning, uh, absolutely thrown under the bus by the New York Giants here. But uh, it is true. It is worth noting that, you know, there was a time when he wasn't he wasn't this big hero. I think he's grown on quite a few people in New York, though, over his career. I, I mean, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs will do that. You know, two Super Bowl wins over the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Nobody else has been able to do that. Absolutely nobody. You think of all the other quarterbacks who have faced Tom Brady and the Patriots in those Super Bowls. You know, none of them could beat him. Donovan McNabb couldn't beat him, right? Kurt Warner couldn't beat him. All right, Russell Wilson couldn't beat him. Okay, so, you know, Eli Manning, you know, went out there, he did it to an undefeated Patriots team, went out there and beat him. And I know people say, you know, the Giants won on the back of their defense that year. And, you know, that defense was great, don't get me wrong, but I don't think you can argue with what Eli Manning did specifically in the fourth quarter of that Super Bowl 42, you know, something like 160 yards, 9 of 14, two touchdowns, including that game-winning drive in the final two minutes. You know, you just you can't argue with that. And, you know, so Eli Manning has, has really become quite a hero in New York, and uh, the Giants fans obviously love him, even with all his faults. You know, he's become a beloved, beloved figure in New York, and obviously there's a lot of uh, anger out there, and I think it's totally warranted i think this is just this is just a terrible terrible job by the new york giants a terrible job by this guy ben mcadoo who's become a clown of a coach now okay and i have no problem saying this i i covered the giants coaching search two years ago after they pushed Tom Coughlin out the door. I thought Ben McAdoo would be a good hire. I was calling on the Giants to hire Ben McAdoo. I'm not going to run from that now, but I was wrong. Okay, I can admit it. Maybe the Giants, you know, it's time for the Giants to do the same thing. I was wrong. Okay, this guy is a clown. Okay, I've had my, I had my reasons at the time. Okay, I made it clear. I wrote all about it. You can go back to the Monday Morning Quarterback two years ago. You'll 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 see it all. I covered the whole coaching search. So, you know, I I, I thought. 
Ben McAdoo, with what he had done as offensive coordinator for the Giants, you know, deserved that chance to be the head coach. I, I was really happy with him as offensive coordinator, to be quite honest with you. You know, he took over for Kevin Kevin Gilbride, who had like the most vanilla offense you've ever seen in your life. And this guy, you know, the, the offense was rolling under him. Eli Manning was playing probably the best football of his career with Ben McAdoo as the, as the offensive coordinator. And I didn't want to lose that. I mean, the defense was terrible at the time. It needed to be fixed, definitely. But, you know, I thought they had something with this offense. And, you know, Odell Beckham on board now. And you got, you know, Eli Manning, your two-time Super Bowl champion. I thought, you know, this was this was going to be a good thing for at least the offense. And, you know, that's what Ben McAdoo was hired for. He wasn't hired to, to run the defense. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't give him any of the credit for how good the defense played last year. And I don't give him any of, any of the blame for how bad the defense has played this year. I mean, he's there to run the offense. That's what he was brought in for. You know, to do what he was, he did as offensive coordinator, really. And I don't know what happened. I really don't. Um, but you know, this offense has fallen off a cliff since Ben McAdoo took over as head coach. There's really, there's no debating that. They're they're very uncreative now. Ben McAdoo doesn't seem to have an answer week after week, loss after loss. All he ever tells you is, oh, you know, I have to look at the film. I have to look at the film. I have to look at the film. How much film does this guy have to look at before he'll get a clue? He still doesn't even know what the problem is. Okay, so he's in over his head. Okay, but I'll tell you what. Like I said, I was calling for them to hire him. I was wrong at the time. I I think it's absolutely time to make a change again. You got to move on from this guy. He has no idea what he's doing. But through all of it, through all of it, I never had this like this animosity towards Ben McAdoo that I had. I've had really over the last few days. Uh, since he benched Eli Manning, really, all of a sudden, uh, you know, I was never mad at Ben McAdoo. You can't be mad at the guy because he's in over his head, really. You know, he he took a contract that the Giants offered him. You know, we all would have done that if the Giants threw us that kind of money to coach the team. So you know, he took a contract. It didn't work out. But you know, what he did this past week is just—I mean, it is just oh, it's so egregious what he did this past week. I mean, here's a guy who's a clown. Again, he's a clown. I I know the team won 11 games last year, but it was. Oh, it was entirely on the backs of that defense last year. There's no doubt about it. That defense is what won them 11 games last year. The offense was abysmal last year. This offense hasn't scored 30 points once in the two seasons that Ben McAdoo has been the head coach. Okay, it was the defense last year. And like I said, I don't I don't give him credit, McAdoo, that is, for that defense last year. And I don't give him any of the blame for how bad the defense has been this year. That's not his thing. He's in there to run the offense. And that has consistently been a problem since he's been head coach, okay? But that aside, that aside, for this guy, this clown, who has really no credentials, doesn't have a leg to stand on, really. His career's been a joke, okay? He's an offensive coach. The Giants, under him, have been an offensive nightmare. Okay, so he doesn't even have a leg to stand on, but here he is, now desperate to save his job, which uh, hopefully, you know, it's all in vain because you gotta move on from this guy. But this guy has now decided that you know, this guy, two years, hasn't scored 30 points once, right? He looks, like, he, looks, he looks like a clown out there. He's really clueless. He can't answer any questions after the game. And so, you know, I got to look at the film. Got to look at the film. But here he is. He's decided that Eli Manning, Eli Manning, a guy who has shown up to work now since 2004, every day, never complains, never throws anyone under the bus. You know, his offensive line has been a problem for many years now, for, for years now. I've been talking about it. I've been writing about it. It's nice to see other people in the media, more prominent voices in the media, 
finally start to notice this too. But it's been a problem for years. Like I've said before, when the Giants drafted Odell Beckham back in 2014, I was I was hoping they'd draft Zach Martin, the lineman out of uh, Notre Dame, who went who all ultimately went to the Cowboys, and he's become an All Pro lineman. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't know what how special Odell Beckham was at the time. But either way, had they drafted Zach Martin then instead of Odell Beckham, I don't think they would they would have gone wrong. Martin's gone on to become an All-Pro lineman on, on probably the best offensive line in football, the Cowboys. Okay, and he's a big part of that line. There's no doubt about that. Okay, so I don't think the Giants would have gone wrong. Would it have been uh, you know as sexy a pick as as an Odell Beckham? No, of course not. It's an offensive lineman. You know, nobody seems to ever you know want to draft those offensive linemen or make a splash with those offensive linemen. But they're an integral part of uh, a very important part of a football team. You know, all successful teams have good offensive lines, and they don't get the credit they should often. But uh, you know, you're not going to be a good a good football team if you don't have an offensive line. It all starts and ends with your offensive line. You're protecting your quarterback. You're opening the holes for your running back. You know, you get your running game going. That's how you get your passing game going. It's it's important to have an offensive line, and the Giants haven't had an offensive line for years. And Eli Manning hasn't once, you know, thrown them under the bus, hasn't once complained about it. The guy just shows up for work, class act all the way, team guy, team first, two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP. And this guy, Ben McAdoo, all of a sudden comes in and decides, essentially, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but it looks like, at least in New York, Eli Manning's career is over. I don't, it doesn't look like the the Giants are, uh, Interested in bringing him back if they're bringing in Geno Smith now. Geno Smith is the guy who's going to replace Eli Manning this week against the Raiders. Tomorrow, against the Raiders, Geno Smith. Okay, we know what Geno Smith is, and we certainly know what Geno Smith isn't. Okay, so the whole thing makes no sense. I mean, Ben McAdoo has now come out, and basically he said it. He has said it, that Geno Smith gives his team the best chance to win. I mean, anyone, anyone listening to that who has any knowledge of Geno Smith, Eli Manning, and football in general knows what a ridiculous statement that is, that Geno Smith gives you a better chance to win than Eli Manning. I mean, it's ridiculous. Not on his best day does Geno Smith give you the best chance to win. Now, at 2-9, and nine, where the Giants are, this wouldn't be a bad time for them to look at their kid, Davis Webb. This is the kid they drafted last year out of Cal. You know what, Ben McAdoo come out and said, listen, I want to give this kid Webb a look. Because, you know, obviously, Eli Manning at some point is going to have to retire. Eli Manning isn't going to be able to play anymore at some point. I don't think we're at that point yet. But that, that day will come. So it's not, you know, at 2-9 and nine and your, your season lost, I don't think it's bad to, to take a look at this kid Webb. Let's see what we got. Maybe this is the heir apparent to, to Eli. Maybe he sits behind Eli for two or three more years and learns and grows you know, like Aaron Rodgers did behind Brett Favre. You know, maybe he's not the guy. Now you find out. You find out right now. You might have Eli's, you know, you might have Eli's successor right there in-house now. You might not. You might have to go out and get another guy to be Eli's successor. That's what you can find out. That, you know, that's, that's what a 2-9 and nine season's good for right now. That's what this time is good for. Find out what you got in Davis Webb and see if you need another quarterback. Either way, either way. You don't need another quarterback for next year. This isn't an urgent thing that we need another quarterback. Yes, Davis Webb might not be the answer. Perhaps he's not. Okay, so eventually you have to draft another quarterback. That doesn't mean you have to go out and spend what, in a 2-9 and nine season right now, the Giants are going to get a top 10 draft pick. 
I don't think there's any doubt about it at this point. Top 10, no doubt about it. They'll be in the top 10. They want to go out and waste this top 10 draft pick on one of these, you know, big-time rookie quarterbacks. You know, the kid out of USC, Darnold or whatever, and uh, Rosen out of UCLA. Whoever, whoever, you know, Baker Mayfield, the other kid from Oklahoma, who, whoever they're looking at. I mean, this is, to me, this is a waste of time at this point. I think you're out of your mind. Uh, like I said, if, if Ben McAdoo said, listen, we got to take a look at Davis Webb and see what we got, I think this would have gone over just fine. But that's not what he did. He decided that Geno Smith gave him, gives him the best chance to beat the Raiders this week, which is a, a ridiculous statement. It's a crazy statement from a crazy man who has no idea what he's doing, obviously, as we all know now. But this is just, you know, Geno Smith, this is both a slap in the face and a waste of time with the New York Giants. It's a slap in the face to Eli Manning, and it's a waste of the New York Giants' time to sit here and say, well, we've got to see what else we have in quarterbacks here. Again, that's fine if you're talking about Davis Webb. You're talking about Geno Smith. We know what this guy is. We know what this guy isn't. New Yorkers know what this guy is and isn't. Remember, he was a jet and a bad one. Okay? This guy is not, you know, this guy is not giving you what Eli Manning is giving you on his best day. Okay, so it's a waste of time to even look at him. And it's a slap in the face to Eli Manning to say, listen, this guy gives us a better chance to win. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Because like I said, Eli Manning, yeah, is he on the downside in his career? Yeah. Is he getting older? Absolutely. But is he done yet? No, I don't think. I think he's far from done. I think he's got a lot of holes around him on this team, especially this year with the injuries this year. He's got no receivers left. He hasn't had an offensive line in years. Okay? Hasn't had a running game because he hasn't had an offensive line in years. Okay? He's out there by himself. You think Geno Smith's going to go out there under those same conditions and do better than Eli Manning's done? I mean, you're out of your mind. You really are. You're out of your mind. It's not going to happen. This guy's got a lot of holes around him, and I'm talking about Eli Manning, the quarterback. A lot of holes around him on this team. Uh, you know, the front office, Jerry Reese in particular, the general manager, another clown who needs to go. Man, this guy, he's slick, I'll tell you what. This guy should have been gone years ago. This guy's been a bad GM from day one. He really has. This guy's done nothing. When he took over in 2007, he was handed the keys to a ready-made championship team. And it's gone downhill since. And yeah, they won another championship along the way. I give him zero credit for that. I really do. It was four years after the first one. They won a second championship. The team was not as good, really anywhere. Anywhere on the field, I don't think they were as good as they were four years prior. They were definitely going downhill. Okay? You know, they had some pieces left from the champion, that first championship team that I think was a big part of why they won. And they had a great coach who got the most out of his players at all times and Tom Coughlin, which is why they won. And it's pretty ironic now. That you see, Jerry Reese, the general manager, in the last couple of years, has now thrown Tom Coughlin under the bus. He pushed him out the door a few years ago. Now he throws Eli Manning under the bus. Tell me something. If not for Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin, does Jerry Reese even have a job today? He doesn't. He doesn't. His whole reputation, his whole career is built on the backs of those two Super Bowl runs. Where Eli Manning took his team... And beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. The only quarterback to ever do that in the Super Bowl. Tom Coughlin took his team. His team that what really, you look at the talent on that team. The talent level. There weren't a whole lot of great players on those teams. You know, they weren't like a juggernaut. They were just a, a, a couple of good players. Really good players. And a lot of role players who, you know, filled in the gaps. And, you know, a coach who got the best out of them. And at the end of the day, this GM who's built nothing. Who's drafted abysmally he's been the his draft picks are a joke 
Who, who's his best draft pick as a as a Giants GM? Really? Probably Landon Collins at this point. That might be one he hit on. Okay, I look at other guys like Jason Pierre-Paul. You look at guys like Aaron Ross. Remember Kenny Phillips. Did any of these guys pan out? Eli Apple, another one. Okay, and you see what he's done in free agency to fix his offensive line? Nothing. Absolutely nothing for years. He's neglected it. So the Giants, you know, they have a lot of problems. A lot of problems that have really all come to head in the last couple of years, I think. They really have. And to me, it all kind of started when Tom Coughlin was pushed out the door. And I want to get into that a little bit more after the break. Um, And I want to kind of draw a parallel to another team in New York where I see kind of the same situation going on. So we're going to talk about all that a a little bit later on. But right now, like I said, I do have to take a break. You're listening to For Pete's Sake on KMZ, KMAZ Radio, and we will be back after this. I was driving with the dog in the way back and my two kids in the back seat, and I saw the sign for the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Think you want to be a part of the exciting world of radio and television? Check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. I pulled into the driveway, went in, asked for an application, and it changed my life. It's the best thing I ever did. I loved how small the classes were. I loved the fact that when I walked into the classroom, I actually recognized the voice or recognized the name of the person who was about to teach me. The job placement experience is second to none. When I graduated, I had three job opportunities, and I have worked in radio every day of my life since then. We've placed thousands of grads for nearly 50 years. Contact us today. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Listening to For Pete's Sake with Pete Solari. What are we done with Pete Solari back on KMAZ Radio. You are listening to For Pete's Sake. Hit me up on Twitter at For Pete's Sake NY. Also, check out my work at the Monday Morning Quarterback for all your sports news and commentary from yours truly. Among others, check out the Monday Morning Quarterback. That at mondaymorningqb.info, as well as on Twitter and Facebook at the Monday AMQB and hashtag TMMQB. All right, so Pete Solari back with you talking New York Giants football today and really how uh, you know this organization has gone from really one of the most well-run organizations in sports to pretty much the laughing stock of the NFL. Maybe not quite the laughing stock of the NFL, but certainly a laughing stock in the NFL, and honestly, it happened so, so quickly, really. I mean, you know, just a few years ago, this team was winning Super Bowls, and now, you know, the wheels are falling off, and honestly, to, to be quite honest, in my opinion, folks, you know, the, the the overlying factor in all of this is the general manager, Jerry Reese. Uh, you know, I talked about it a little bit last segment. You know, the guy drafting has not been impressive. I have not been impressed with, the, with uh, most of his draft picks. Uh, as a matter of fact, I heard a stat on WFAN in New York um, last week, I think, and I can't remember exactly who brought it up, and I can't confirm it. I haven't checked it out yet, but somebody was saying that of all of Jerry Reese's uh, draft picks since 2007, only two, two have 
signed a second contract with the New York Giants, which is craziness. And those two were uh, Will Beatty, the offensive lineman, and Jason Pierre-Paul, the defensive end. I'll be honest with you again, folks. I, you're not impressed with either one of those guys. I mean, Beatty was a disaster, actually. He was horrible. Um, JPP had that one good year, 2011, his sophomore season, really breakout year. Hasn't come anywhere close to it since. Uh, obviously, you know, you've had the uh, maturity issues with this guy, with the with the fireworks blowing off part of his hand, of course. If you remember back when he, uh, when Prince Amukamura, another Jerry Reese draft pick who didn't sign a second contract with the Giants, uh, he was a rookie, and, and Jason Pierre-Paul in the locker room, like, body slammed him into a tub of ice, and he got hurt uh, in that incident. And, I mean, you know, just an immature guy in Jason Pierre-Paul. He always has been. Uh, never been a big fan of his either. Obviously, the Giants overpaid him last offseason to come back. Um, so, you know, that just goes to Jerry Reese, too. You see what he's done in free agency along with the drafting. Not not, not a whole lot there either. Um, again, last offseason, not this past one, two offseasons ago, before the 2016 season, you know, he probably had his best offseason. I'm talking about Reese. And he signed a lot of pieces to that defense, obviously, that and it made a difference. It was a good job, I would say, overall. It was a good job. I mean, you, you saw how good the defense was last year. It was the backbone of the team, obviously. But, uh, you know, really, he had a, a ton of money to spend, a ton of cap space, you know. There was a ton of money to spend. He over, I think he overpaid all the pieces he brought in. He overpaid Janoris Jenkins. He overpaid Olivier Vernon, who, by the way, this year, my God, he's been worthless, completely worthless Olivier Vernon. He got a huge contract. You know, the Giants gave Jason Pierre-Paul the following year the same contract as Olivier Vernon, essentially. Neither one of them really shown they're worth that kind of money yet. So, you know, he overpaid for uh, Damon Harrison at defensive tackle. I mean, so, you know, he brought pieces in. It made a difference, certainly, but you, you can't overlook the fact that he had all that money to spend. And essentially overpaid all these guys. But you you know, you look back at the history of him in free agency. I mean, where are the big moves from this guy in, in, in free agency? Obviously. Honestly, where where do you you know where? He hasn't brought anyone in. Look look at the offensive line alone. That's a, that alone tells you what this guy has done in free agency. Nothing. You know, I said in that last segment that he uh Jerry Reese was pretty much when he when he was brought on as the GM was handed the keys to a ready made championship team. And that was true. And he also had probably the best offensive line in the league at the time. You know, when they had O'Hara and Seibert and and Snee and Deal and McKenzie on that line. And, you know, that was a great offensive line. You know, as big a part of that Super Bowl 42 win as any, as any other part of that team, really. You know, maybe uh, except for Eli Manning. Obviously, the quarterback, very important. But, you know, huge part of that uh, first Super Bowl team, that Super Bowl 42 team, was... Uh, was that offensive line and how well they played and how good they were. They really were. And really, since then, you know, it's just gone downhill, that offensive line. Every year, it's getting consistently worse. Worse, 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 worse. You see what it's ended up at now. It's been a problem for years. Jerry Reese doesn't even, you know, bring in any candidates to, to fill those holes. So you, you see the guy hasn't been very big in free agency you know, wasn't hasn't been a very good drafter. You wonder what, you know, why is it that this guy still has a job? How has he been able to skate by? You know, when the Giants have uh, let a Hall of Fame coach and Tom Coughlin go over that time, now they're benching a Hall of Fame quarterback and Eli Manning, and Jerry Reese bears none of this responsibility? How does he skate by? And I'm going to tell you how he skates by, how he has skated by, and that is, you know, honestly, he had a a coach and a quarterback covering for him. 
You know, the fact of the matter is, you, you know, if Eli Manning doesn't go out and win those two Super Bowls, Jerry Reese doesn't have a job right now. If Tom Coughlin doesn't get the most out of out of rosters that really aren't like laden with talent. I mean, there's some talent on those rosters that won those Super Bowls. Don't get me wrong, but it's not not like these were juggernaut teams where, you know, everyone was a superstar or anything like that. You think about the running backs Tom Coughlin won two Super Bowls with, you know, Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw. Outside of their time with Tom Coughlin, what did either of those two guys do in the league? You know, when they left the Giants, what happened to them? And it's not just them, you know? Even the some of the more talented players they had weren't that great. You think about a Plaxico Burris and how big he was for the, for the New York Giants. He wasn't that great when he was in Pittsburgh before he came to the Giants. He certainly wasn't that great when he went to the Jets after he served his jail sentence and, and left the Giants, right? But, you know, with Tom Coughlin, you saw what he got out of him. You know, the receivers, a lot of receivers over the years, you look you look at, at the Giants, and it's just, he's got a lot of nobodies in there. You know, you think about Steve Smith, not the guy from uh, the Carolina Panthers and the Ravens. I'm talking about the guy out of USC, Steve Smith, the receiver. I mean, that guy, the Giants drafted him in the third round. You know, he pretty much sat on the bench for a few years. Plaxico Burris shot himself. He came in, he got his chance, and, and he became a, a pro bowler. You know, with Eli Manning throwing him the ball and Tom Coughlin coaching him. You know, Victor Cruz, what was he without Eli Manning? You know, Dominic Hickson, would anyone even have heard that name if not for Eli Manning? That guy was like a number two receiver with the Giants when he was with Eli Manning. He's a nobody when he leaves the Giants, you know? I mean, so you think about this. You know, the, the teams haven't been just, you know, full of talent. It's not like the New England Patriots where they're, you know, loaded with talent. You know, even the Packer teams or the Steeler teams that won Super Bowls, loaded with talent. Those teams weren't loaded with talent. I'll tell you what they had. They had a great quarterback. They had the right quarterback. And they had the coach who was really, in my opinion, the glue. The Really, the glue that held all of it together was Tom Coughlin. And to me, um, you know, like I said, I don't think Jerry Reese has been a good GM. I, I don't think at all since 2007. But you know what's able to cover for that is, is a coach who's winning Super Bowls. You know, he's winning two Super Bowls, you know, Coughlin cover for the for the mistakes that Jerry Reese made. And I think that's, you know, a whole lot of that was was what was going on is, you know, Tom Coughlin got the most out of his players. And I'm I'm coming as a guy who never wanted Tom Coughlin as the coach. I'll be honest. I didn't think Jim Fossil deserved to be fired in 2003. I wasn't a Coughlin fan at the time. I didn't like his reputation. I didn't think he was, you know, a very successful coach at the time. He grew on me quite a bit, though. He grew on me. You know, you watch him in and out every day. You watch the way he handles the players. And really, you know, uh, this has been well documented. He kind of changed his ways. He's kind of softened up a little bit with the players, you know, instead of being that dictator guy. And Michael Strahan has talked a lot about this in the past. But either way, you know, he did what he had to do, and he held that team together for many, many years. Okay, I don't, I'm not sure that, you know, with another coach, with any other, I mean, not any other coach. Obviously, there are some great coaches out there, but, you know, there aren't too many coaches I, have, I would have had faith in doing what Tom Coughlin did with the Giants. I'll tell you, I, I wouldn't have faith in Sean Payton to do what, what Tom Coughlin did with the Giants. I'd probably have faith in Bill Belichick, a guy like Bill Cower, had they brought him on. You know, there are obviously good coaches out there. I mean, maybe even Andy Reid. I've always been a big fan of Andy Reid. He's never won a Super Bowl either, but um, I, I always thought he was a good good coach who got the most out of his players. Certainly not what you're seeing out of Ben McAdoo right now. But Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin, just to get back to Tom Coughlin, I think, you know, like I said, again, 
just the glue that held everything together for this team. Really, a, a broken team that kind of was being held together by Tom Coughlin, the glue. And a few years ago, you saw what happened. Jerry Reese pushed him out the door. Now you're seeing it again. He's doing the same thing to Eli Manning. I mean, what do you say about this? How You know, what, what can you say? How does Jerry Reese continue to skate by? And I'm telling you, it's because, you know, guys like Coughlin, guys like Eli, and all the success they had, and everything they did for this organization and this city, you know, they, they covered for Jerry Reese. And now you're seeing it fall apart, and I think you really started to see it fall apart once Tom Coughlin was let go. You know, it's a, it was a big mistake then. And I said in the first segment, again, I was, I was you know, pro-McAdoo. I was on the McAdoo bandwagon. I thought McAdoo, you know, deserved the chance to be the head coach. And, and I was wrong. Okay, I was wrong. Here's what I wasn't wrong about. Before I ever said McAdoo should be the coach, I made it absolutely clear. And again, you can go back to the Monday morning quarterback, check this out, see that, I, you know, I wrote this. Tom Coughlin should have never been let go. Okay. The Giants, it seems to me over the last couple of years, are just looking for some scapegoats. That's what it looks like. You know, they scapegoated Tom Coughlin. Like, he was the problem. He's the reason that, you know, Jerry Reese didn't give him an offensive line. And his quarterback is running for his life, right? You know? Eli Manning's the problem now. Eli Manning's the problem. That Eli Manning's the reason he doesn't have an offensive line, doesn't have any wide receivers, and doesn't have a running game. And now, here you got Jerry Reese, still has a job. This might be over. It might be at the end of the line now, because things have gone really bad, obviously, this year. But, re- but, you know, Jerry Reese, up to this point, hasn't been held responsible for any of this. And as of right now, he is still the GM. And looking forward, you know, the Giants are talking about using what is going to be a top 10 pick in the next NFL draft on a quarterback. And to me, it's craziness. It's absolute craziness. It makes no sense. Like, obviously, I get it. You know, eventually you're going to have to replace Eli Manning. Like I said, I don't think we're at that point yet. I absolutely believe he's got, you know, at least three years left in him. First of all, he comes from great stock. Remember his brother played till he was like 40, and that was after he broke his neck. Okay, so I, here's Eli Manning. He's never missed a game. Uh, and this week will be the first game he hasn't started since 2004. You know? This guy's been taking beatings. Like I said, this offensive line's been bad for a few years. And he's, here he is. He's still in there, taking beatings, showing up. You know, I have no doubt that this guy can still play a few more years. And we know what this guy can be if you put the pieces around him. He can be a Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP. So to me, it's just it's a waste of time right now to be looking for your future quarterback when you still have a very good quarterback. Okay, and beyond that, you think a, a rookie's going to come in here? Listen, even if they get a, a stud rookie who turns out to be you know a future Hall of Famer, it, it's very unlikely that he's going to walk in the door and be that future Hall of Famer on day one. It's going to take him a few years to adjust, don't you think? And here the Giants, you know, they have some pieces in place. You have to think about this. A lot of people were predicting the Giants were going to win the Super Bowl this year. Not me. Not me because of the offensive line and solely because of the offensive line. Other things have gone wrong. Obviously, the injury bugs hit them. All their receivers going down. A lot of guys on defense going down. So, yeah, it's been a rough, rough season. No doubt about it. But let's assume, and we don't know this for sure, but let's assume that these guys all come back healthy next year. Let's assume Beckham comes back healthy. We assume Brandon Marshall come back, comes back healthy. We assume we'll get a whole season out of Sterling Shepard, and he'll be healthy. 
Okay, you assume these pieces on defense, like Janoris Jenkins now, Olivier Vernon, they're going to come back healthy and be back in form. You have these pieces in place. You know, enough to where the you know guys at the New York Daily News were predicting a Super Bowl this year. Okay, I think they overlooked the, how big of the holes on the offensive line were. But the bottom line is you have pieces in place. You have a few holes, the offensive line mainly, maybe a few linebackers. You're f- short a few linebackers. Okay, special teams. It wouldn't be bad to get a kicker in here, a competent kicker. I mean, you know, when Josh Brown was, uh, you know, got in trouble a few years ago and they lost him, that, that was a big hit. I mean, Josh Brown was a hell of a kicker. So, you know, you have a few holes that you can plug and be a a competent team here, a good team, a contending team. You know, if you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback and you're not going to contend for three or four years, you know, your window's going to shut. Is Beckham going to be here in three or four years? Is Landon Collins going to be here in three or four years? We know Jerry Reese's history with, uh, you know, signing his draft picks to second contracts. So it's not a foregone conclusion that any of these guys are going to be here. And all the money you spent on Olivier Vernon and Janoris Jenkins and Damon Harrison, are they going to be here in three or four years? So by the time you figure out who your next quarterback is, you're going to have to rebuild the rest of the team. So the, it just the whole thing doesn't make sense to me. And Jerry Reese, the underlying, the overshadowing, really, factor in all of this. All of this. You know, he's he's been there in all of it. You know, you can't blame Coughlin for all of it. He's been gone a few years. Right? From what, everything that happens from here on, you can't blame Eli for because he's going to be on the bench now. You know, the one guy that's been there, the one constant in all of this has been Jerry Reese. And he's continued to skate by. But I think that move to fire Tom Coughlin, I'll tell you what, that, that move is biting them in the ass now. It was a mistake then. You're seeing it was a mistake now. Okay, you got stuck with two years. You just wasted with Ben McAdoo. Now you're going to have to find another coach, right? Who's going to rebuild the, you know, not the whole team, rebuild the team, but he's going to have to, you know, bring in his system. Quarterback's going to learn his system, right? Everyone else has to learn his system. You're wasting time. You've wasted time. You could have just kept Tom Coughlin on board and, you know, Jerry Reese probably would still be skating by at this point. Now he's on the hot seat. See, now you don't have Eli and Tom Coughlin to kick around anymore. You're on the hot seat. See what happens? So I'll say it again. You know, Jerry Reese to me has been a problem pretty much since 2007. You're really, really starting to see it the last couple of years. And it started with Tom Coughlin and pushing this guy out the door. And really, with no plan to bring in anyone, you, you know, anyone who could fill his shoes. Really, I mean, who? Ben McAdoo? <laughs> you think Ben McAdoo? Even though I called for Ben McAdoo, I never thought he'd be Tom Coughlin. You know? You don't have anyone that could fill this guy's shoes. You have these pieces put together. You're a few pieces short, probably, of being a championship contender. And, you know, you're, you're continually ignoring those pieces. You're pushing the coach who's not the problem out the door. You're pushing the quarterback out the door. And you see what what it all leads to. But like I said, I think this all started when the Giants made a huge mistake in pushing Tom Coughlin out the door. And what you're seeing now here in this town, in New York, with the New York Yankees, is a lot of the same. I think what we're learning now is that the Yankees may have made a big mistake in pushing their manager, Joe Girardi, out the door. And they've got a new manager now, and I want to get into all that and the parallel between the two teams when we come back. But right now, I do have to take another break. You're listening to For Pete's Sake on KMAZ Radio, and we will be back after this. Remember back when school was fun and something to look forward to? Wait, school can actually be fun? 
That's right, earning an education and having fun can go hand in hand, and you'll see what I'm talking about when you attend the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. The learn by doing approach and the hands-on training you receive as a student at CSB works wonders for those who aren't exactly textbook learners like myself. The fact that broadcast professionals currently working in the industry teach the classes gives its students the first-hand knowledge they need to know to work in this industry. The Connecticut School of Broadcasting is the oldest and largest group of communication schools in the country, and 2014 marks the school's 50th anniversary. Let CSB make your broadcasting dreams become a reality and enroll today by calling 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to go.csb.org. Both day and night classes are available. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO today to schedule your studio tour. It is time for Today in Sports History, and on this date, December 2nd, 1941, the New York Giants named Mel Ott player manager. In 1963, the Major League Rules Committee banned oversized catcher's mitts. In 1985, NFL legends John Elway and Dan Marino face off for the first time. Marino threw for 390 yards and three touchdowns in the Dolphins' 30-26 win. Also in 1985, Bears coach Mike Dicka and defensive coordinator Bunny Ryan come to blows on the sideline in Chicago's only loss of the season. And on December 2nd, 1995, after giving up nine goals, Patrick Waugh declares it's his last game in Montreal and is traded to Colorado four days later. To learn more about what happened today or any day in sports, music, film, TV, and more, visit OnThisDay.com. And don't touch that dial. For Pete's sake, we'll be right back on KMAZ Radio. There she was, just walking down the street singing. She looked good, she looked fine, she looked good, she looked fine, and I nearly lost my mind. Before I knew it, she was walking next to me singing, holding my hand just as natural as can be singing. We walked on to my door. We walked on to my door, then we kissed a little more. Oh, I knew we was falling in love. Yes, I did, and so I told her all the things I'd been dreaming of. Now we're together nearly every single day singing. Together, nearly every single day singing. Oh, we're so happy, and that's how we're gonna stay singing. I mean, well, I'm hers, she's mine. I'm hers, she's mine. Wedding bells are gonna chime. Oh, 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 oh
Manfred Mann and Dua Diddy, that song, our song of the day in honor of Tom McGinnis, the guitarist in that band, Manfred Mann, and the guitarist on that song, Dua Diddy from 1964. That song spent two weeks on top of the Billboard Hot 100 here in the United States. And in honor of Tom McGinnis' birthday, that song, Dua Diddy, is your song of the day. All right. For Pete's sake, back on KMAZ Radio, my name is Pete Solari. I am on Twitter, at For Pete's Sake NY, also editor-in-chief of the Monday Morning Quarterback. So for all your sports news and commentary from yours truly, check out the Monday Morning Quarterback at mondaymorningqb.info. All right, so here we are, show winding down for the day, but course we spent most of the day talking about the Giants and uh, the mess they're in now Eli Manning to the bench obviously I've spent a good chunk of today uh, ripping Jerry Reese the general manager a new one I'm not pleased with his performance like I said and I'll say it again I think he has been the overshadowing figure in all of this everything that's gone wrong for the Giants in the past couple years I think he's been you know the common denominator in all that and I'll say this again, too. I think he's been a problem, really, since the day he walked in the door. I think it was Tom Coughlin, especially, also Eli Manning, who really, you know, held that team together and kind of covered up for all the mistakes Jerry Reese has made over the years. And it's just, it's ironic, isn't it, folks? You know, if not for Tom Coughlin and, and Eli Manning, Jerry Reese wouldn't even have a job. And now, in just the last couple of years, we've seen Reese throw both of those men under the bus. Tom Coughlin pushed out the door. Ends up in Jacksonville as a front office guy. Eli Manning, we'll see what happens from here on out. Doesn't look good for him returning, at least with the Giants, uh, next year. Honestly, I think you know his time with the Giants may be over. And uh, I think it's a big mistake on Jerry Reese's part. Just like it was a big mistake pushing Tom Coughlin out the door a couple of years ago. And just like it was a big mistake for Brian Cashman, the general manager of the New York Yankees, to push his manager, Joe Girardi, out the door. This offseason, just about a month ago now, uh, Joe Girardi pretty much relieved of his duties as Yankees manager. The Yankees have been uh, conducting a managerial search ever since. And I'll tell you, I don't, I just don't like where this is going. I see, I see a lot of similarities in what the Giants did to Coughlin and what the Yankees have now done to Joe Girardi. Um, even worse, I think, with Girardi. I mean, at least when when Coughlin was pushed out the door, as egregious as that was, you know, at least he was coming off a losing season. I mean, Joe Girardi here, he had a team of kids, really, a team of young kids on the verge of the World Series, one game away from the World Series, and um, you know, you decide to make a change. Because he didn't win that game seven of the ALCS. I think I actually heard that even if had he won that game, uh, Brian Cashman probably, you know, wouldn't have been a guarantee that Girardi would have been back. You know, had he gotten them to the World Series, that wouldn't have been enough to keep his job. I think it's I think it's craziness. And uh, like I said, I see a lot of similarities in, in the Giants. Um, again, I don't think, uh, you know, just like I didn't think Coughlin should have been pushed out the door. I don't think Girardi should have been pushed out the door. And like Coughlin, you know, I wasn't a huge Girardi fan. Um, and unlike Coughlin, Girardi didn't really grow on me the way Coughlin did. Like, you know, at the beginning of Coughlin's tenure, I wasn't a Tom Coughlin fan. At the end of it, oh, I was a big Tom Coughlin fan. 
Okay, I'm not a big Joe Girardi fan right now. I'm really not. And I think over the years I've been critical of him. And I think over the years there would have been appropriate times to fire him. Um, but, you know, right now I think this is hard. I think this is the most terrible thing you could do with the Yankees, pushing this guy out the door after what he did. And Brian Cashman, the GM, another guy I've been critical of over the years. Well, I'll tell you, as critical as I've been of him, I was very mu- I praised him quite a bit for the rebuild he, he recently did with the Yankees for rebuilding them, getting them back on track and uh, on championship track. And uh, you see the rebuild was going faster than expected. Nobody expected anything out of this team this year. They were a game away from the World Series. The future looks bright. And uh, for some reason, you know, Joe Girardi gets no credit for that. And I think it's a big, big mistake. And like I said, I'm still not the biggest Joe Girardi fan. But, you know, I've been watching this uh, managerial search with the Yankees over the last few weeks. And I'll tell you what, I haven't seen them interview one candidate. None of the candidates they interviewed to me represents a uh, an upgrade over Joe Girardi. I don't think any of the guys they've uh, uh, brought in really are an upgrade over Joe Girardi. You know, Eric Wedge is the only guy they brought in with any managerial experience. He's not an upgrade over Joe Girardi. You know, Aaron Boone, who's the guy they chose. Now, last night, word broke that the Yankees did choose Aaron Boone as their next manager. A familiar face with the Yankee fans. Obviously, Aaron Bleepin' Boone, as they call him in Boston. And Aaron Bleepin' Boone was actually my reaction uh, when I heard the news that he was the next manager. Because, no disrespect to Aaron Boone. He comes from a great baseball family, obviously. His dad, uh, Bob Boone, his uh, brother, Brett Boone. uh, You know, notable MLB, uh, past MLB players. But... You know, the guy has no, doesn't, guy doesn't even have coaching experience. You know, he's a broadcaster, which I think is, you know, it's, it's, you know, worthy, a worthy, you know, attribute to have for a manager. I know the last two Yankee managers, Girardi and Joe Torre before him, were both broadcasters too. So, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. You know, you're a broadcaster, especially a national broadcaster like Aaron Boone. You have to be tuned into the game, what's going on, who the players are, you know. So, you know, there's something to be said about that. But I, I don't think, you know, a guy, a rookie manager, you know, this guy's never even, you know, even been a coach. He hasn't been a bench coach. He hasn't been a first base coach. He hasn't been a third base coach, you know. I don't think he's just going to walk in there and be, you know, you know, the next Joe Torre for the Yankees. And that's got to concern you, honestly. I mean, you hear the Yankees ended last season with a bright future, you know, going into 2018 with championship ambitions. And I don't know if that's true anymore now. You got this rookie man. This guy has never managed a thing. And here the Yankees are giving him a chance. It's a huge, huge gamble by Brian Cashman. Maybe it pays off. You know, I don't want to dog Aaron Boone. I don't have anything against Aaron Boone. I just, I'm not sure this is the right the right move for, for the Yankees. And I'm not sure, you know, if it's not, you know, that might be the end of Brian Cashman in New York too. And honestly, after I've been praising him so hard for the rebuild, it, it makes me sad to see him do something like this. But, you know, really, honestly, you look at all the other guys they brought into interview, none of them were really that impressive. Hensley Mullins and, uh, you know, one of the Yankees I grew up with uh, when the Yankees weren't so good back in the uh, late 80s. I always liked Hensley Mullins because I liked his name. But, you know, it doesn't really excite me as a manager. At least he's got some coaching experience, unlike Boone. You know, this guy Woodward, the third base coach with the Dodgers. I'm not, you know, I'm not really high on bringing a third base coach in to manage the New York Yankees either especially when they have all these championship expectations now. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't think this is, uh, you know, a great move by the Yankees. I think it kind of, it might come back to bite them in the ass the way, uh, the move with the Giants has come back to bite them in the ass when they fired Tom Coughlin, when they pushed him out the door and they ended up with Ben McAdoo. You know, nobody thought Ben McAdoo was going to be this bad when they hired him. 
You see how bad it's worked out, you know. Are the Yankees next? We'll have to wait and see, I guess. But again, just not happy with the uh, decision to let a guy like Girardi go, an accomplished guy like Girardi, guy who's never had a losing season with the Yankees. I mean, he won a championship, obviously. Uh, he had to deal, for the last few years, he's really been dealing with an aging roster of uh, former stars and big egos and steroids accusations, and he's never had a losing season. And then, you know, you finally give him this rebuild, you bring these kids in that really nobody had high expectations of this year, at least. And you see what he did, you know, he brought them, he was, they, was on the cusp, they were on the cusp of the World Series, and that wasn't enough to save his job. So I think this is a big mistake by the Yankees. Honestly, I hope it doesn't work out like it's worked out for the Giants, but, you know, who knows? This could be the Yankees' fate, too, because, you know, it, it's one of those things where you just don't know how good you have it until you don't have it anymore, and, you know... The Giants didn't realize how good they had it with Coughlin. I don't think the Yankees realized how good they had it with Girardi. And uh, the Giants are paying the price now. And I wouldn't be so surprised if uh, the Yankees paid that price in the future. So we'll have to wait and see. Like I said, uh, the whole thing's been a mess. I think, you, first of all, you waited uh, until after Game 7 of the, of the ALCS. And then you waited a few more days to fire the guy. You know, by the time they made this move, there, were, there weren't, any, weren't even that many guys to pick, you know, to choose from for a new manager. So... You know, I don't, I'm not happy with the move. I think it you know, could backfire. We'll have to wait and see. Like I said, I have nothing against Aaron Boone. I hope he does well. hope this doesn't end up like the Giants. But, you know, I just see some similarities. And after living through it with the Giants, um, you know, it certainly concerns me a little bit. So that's my take on the Yankees. We'll, you know, we'll wait and see. We'll see how Aaron Boone does. Apparently, the Yankees were looking for a guy who could uh, communicate better with these young kids. I don't think Girardi did such a bad job last year. He had him a game away from the World Series. You know, a bunch of young kids. So, again, we'll see how it works out. But, like I said, if you look back at history, you look back at the Giants and how it's worked out for them. Hasn't been so good. Um, wouldn't be surprised if you saw much of the same out of the Yankees in the next couple years. But I do have my fingers crossed that I'm wrong about that. All right. So, I am officially out of time here on today's episode of For Pete's Sake. I want to Thank you all for joining us. Um, please go check out my Twitter page at for Pete's sake and why the number four P E T E S A K E N Y. Also check out my work at the Monday Morning Quarterback, where I am editor in chief. That at MondayMorningQB.info and on Twitter and Facebook at the Monday AMQB and hashtag TMMQB. All right, so I'm officially out of time. Time for me to say goodbye again. I thank you all for joining. Please join us again next week, noon Eastern time on Messin Radio and 6 p.m. on KMNZ, KMAZ Radio. But until then, my name is Pete Solari and I am signing off. <laughs>